All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, back from Labor Day weekend, we are still standing in the confessional corner. I am Pastor Doug Minton, taking you into the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, bringing us into that second table of the law. And we're going to spend a few weeks on this because Luther goes into great detail over the three different classes of fathers. The fathers by blood, the fathers by office, and the spiritual fathers. So we will take those three each in their own time frame in these next couple of weeks. So this week we are in large catechism, paragraphs 103 to 130. So far we have learned the first three commandments, which relate to God. A, with our whole heart we trust in him and fear and love him throughout all our lives. B, we do not misuse his holy name in support of falsehood or any bad work, but use it to praise God and for the profit and salvation of our neighbor and ourselves. C, on holidays and when at rest we diligently use and encourage the use of God's word so that all our actions and our entire life is guided by it. Now follow the other seven commandments, which relate to our neighbor. Among them is the first and greatest. You shall honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So we have now this second table of the law, commandments 4 through 10. And the greatest of these, dealing with our neighbors, is honor your father and your mother. And so we see why. In paragraph 105, to the position of fatherhood and motherhood, God has given special distinction above all positions that are beneath it. He does not simply command us to love our parents, but to honor them. Regarding our brothers, sisters, and neighbors in general, he commands nothing more than that we love them. Matthew 22:39 and 1 John 3, 14. In this way, he separates and distinguishes father and mother from all other persons upon earth and places them at his side. For it is a far higher thing to honor someone than to love someone, because honor includes not only love, but also modesty, humility, and submission to a majesty hidden in them. Honor requires not only that parents be addressed kindly and with reverence, but also that both in heart and with the body we demonstrate that we value them very highly, and that next to God we regard them as the very highest. For someone we honor from the heart we must also truly regard as high and great. And this is the problem. We have people all throughout the world who are terrible fathers and mothers or are the children of terrible fathers or mothers. And how are we supposed to keep this commandment with these people? How are we supposed to honor and respect and see them as high and next to God? That is the hard part of the commandments, isn't it? That is what brings us to the point of realizing that try as we might, we will never be able to keep the law fully ourselves. Because there are some people who don't deserve the honor. They don't act like they are in the presence of God at any time. They may bring about God's name quite often sometimes in very scandalous against second commandment issues, sometimes in very reverent ways, and you don't know what to deal with. What do you have? You still have the commandment 
to honor, to respect your parents. Luther continues on in 108. We must therefore impress this truth upon the young, Deuteronomy 6-7, that they should think of their parents as standing in God's place. They should remember that however lowly, poor, frail, and strange their parents may be, nevertheless they are the father and the mother given to them by God. Parents are not to be deprived of their honor because of their conduct or their failings. Therefore we are not to consider who they are or how they may be, but the will of God, who has created and ordained parenthood. In other respects, people are, indeed, all equal in God's eyes. But among humans, there must necessarily be inequality and ordered difference. Therefore, God commands this order to be kept, that you obey me as your father, Matthew 5:48, and that I have the supremacy. Learn, therefore, what is the honor toward parents that this commandment requires. A. They must be held in distinction and esteem above all things as the most tr- precious treasure on earth. B. In our words, we must speak modestly towards them. Proverbs 15.1 Do not address them roughly, haughtily, and defiantly, but yield to them and be silent, even though they go too far. C. We must show them such honor also by works, that is, with our body and possessions. We must serve them, help them, and provide for them when they are old, sick, infirm, or poor. We must do all this not only gladly, but with humility and reverence, as doing it before God, Ephesians 6, 6 and 7. For the child who knows how to regard parents in his heart will not allow them to do without or hunger, but will place them above him and at his side, and will share with them whatever he has and possesses. So what is this honor that we owe parents, regardless of their conduct, regardless of the situation, but simply because God commands it and God placed them there? Well, first of all, we must respect the office of father, the office of mother, keeping those things as the most treasured possession on earth, because without the family, everything else crumbles. And we'll talk about that further on in the catechism, that if it weren't for the basic building block of the family, all of society would just crumble. All right, B, in our words, we must speak modestly toward them. We don't address them roughly. We don't address them haughtily. We don't get defiant and belligerent with them, even if they go too far, even if they have crossed line after line after line, boundary after boundary. We still hold them in that respect because of the office God has given them. And then C, we must also show by our works with our body and possessions that we will take care of them when they need it, whether it is in their younger life as being financially unstable or even in their later life when they get sick and infirm and also financially stable because of the sickness and infirmities. That is what honoring our parents is all about, according to God's law. We jump into paragraph 112. Second, notice how great, good, and holy a work is assigned to children here. Unfortunately, this is utterly neglected and disregarded. Mark 7, 13 No one notices that God has commanded it or that it is a holy divine word and doctrine. For if it were regarded as holy, everyone would have concluded that those who live according to these words must be holy people. There would have been no need to invent monasticism or spiritual orders. 
Every child would have abided by this commandment and could have directed his conscience to God and said, If I am to do good and holy works, I know of none better than to give all honor and obedience to my parents, because God himself has commanded it. For what God commands must be much better and far nobler than everything that we may come up with ourselves. Since there is no higher or better teacher to be found than God, there can certainly be no better teaching than what he provides. Now he teaches fully what we should do if we wish to perform truly good works. By commanding such works, he shows that they please him. If then it is God who commands this and does not know how to appoint anything better, I will never improve upon it. This is kind of an odd paragraph here and an odd way of putting the second point on what it means to honor your parents is that this is specifically assigned to children. But then if they understood fully what this commandment meant, the adults wouldn't have come up with things like monasticism and spiritual orders and all these things to be closer and better to God than respecting your parents. I mean, after all, when Paul goes through the list of people and the shame and vices of this world, disobedient to parents and gossips are right there with murder, adultery, and homosexuality. They're all equal in the eyes of God. But for us, we need that structure. We need that hierarchy of what is most important. And most importantly, your first neighbors are your parents. We continue on into paragraph 114. Behold, in this way we would have had a godly child properly taught, reared in true blessedness, and kept at home in obedience to his parents and in their service. People would have had blessing and joy by seeing this. However, God's commandment was not permitted to be commended with such care and diligence. It had to be neglected and trampled underfoot, Matthew 7, 6, so that a child could not take it to heart. Meanwhile, the child would gape like a panting wolf at the things we set up without once consulting or giving reverence to God. For God's sake, let us learn this at last. Placing all other things out of sight, let our youths look first to this commandment if they wish to serve God with truly good works. Then they may do what is pleasing to their fathers and mothers, or to those to whom they may be subject instead of parents. For every child that knows and does this has in the first place this great consolation in his heart. He can joyfully say and boast, in spite of and against all who are occupied with works of their own choice, Behold, this work is well-pleasing to my God in heaven, that I know for certain. Let them all come together with their many great distressing and difficult works and make their boast. We will see whether they can show one work that is greater and nobler than obedience to father and mother. For to parents God has appointed and commanded obedience next to his own majesty. For if God's word and will are in force and being accomplished, nothing shall be valued higher than the will and word of parents, as long as that too is subordinated to obedience toward God and is not opposed to the preceding commandments. So again, there is that out that if the parents are doing things that either they themselves violate the three previous commandments or cause you to violate the three previous commandments, then again, you must obey God rather than men. 
But yes, if we had kept this as one of the great commandments and not come up with throwing kids into monasteries and convents because they were an inconvenience, that would have changed things in the Middle Ages, that would have changed things for the church drastically. And if we even had that today, where instead of throwing away children into monasteries and convents, a lot of them are aborted. A lot of them are just abandoned because they, again, are an inconvenience. And that is the sad plight of parents who don't understand exactly what they are getting into when they find out, ooh, I'm pregnant. They think they're ready, but when they really find out, when push comes to shove, some unfortunately buckle to the pressure. But if we could be able to do this commandment, if we could have the reverence towards this commandment that it deserves because it is one of the Ten Commandments, then life would be so much different. I have a hard time imagining what that world might look like. Luther continues in paragraph 117. Therefore, you should be heartily glad and thank God that he has chosen you and made you worthy to do a work so precious and pleasing to him. Only note this, although this work is regarded as the most humble and despised, consider it great and precious. Do this not because of the worthiness of parents, but because this work is included in and controlled by the jewel and sanctuary, namely the word and commandment of God. Oh, what a high price all Carthusians, monks, and nuns would pay if all their religious activities they could bring into God's presence, a single work done by virtue of his commandment. And if they were able to say with joyful heart before his face, now I know that this work is well-pleasing to you. Where will these poor wretched persons hide when in the sight of God and all the world they shall blush with shame because a young child who has lived according to this commandment? Matthew 18, 1-4. Will they not have to confess that with their whole life that they are not worthy to give that child a drink of water? Mark 9, 41. It serves them right. Because of their devilish perversion in treading God's commandment underfoot, they must vainly torment themselves with works of their own making and, in addition, have scorn and loss for their reward. So we have this where we talk about all the great works that the monks and nuns and all of the spiritual people talk about and all of them are truly the devilish perversion that torments them with trying to figure out and trying to make sure that this work is good enough for God, that that work is good enough for God, that they have done enough good works for God. When a young child who can just say, I obeyed my parents can outshine them all. Why? Because that child was following the commandments and not something that man has thought up. This comes directly from the mouth of God. We continue on in paragraph 120. Should not the heart then leap and melt for joy when going to work and doing what is commanded, saying, Look, this is better than all the holiness of the Carthusians, even though they kill themselves fasting and praying upon their knees without ceasing. For here you have a sure text and a divine testimony that God has commanded this. But concerning the holiness of Carthusians, he did not command a word. This is the plight and miserable blindness of the world, 
2 Corinthians 4.4. No one believes these things. The devil has deceived us to such an extent with false holiness and the glamour of our own works. I would be very glad, I say it again, if people would open their eyes and ears and take this to heart, lest someday we should again be led astray from God's pure word, Psalm 12, 6, to the devil's lying vanities, Psalm 31, 6. If people would take this to heart, all would be well, for parents would have more joy, love, friendship, and unity in their houses. The children would captivate their parents' hearts. On the other hand, when children are stubborn and will not do what they ought until a rod is laid upon their back, Proverbs 22.15 and 26.3, they anger both God and their parents. In this way, they deprive themselves of this treasure and joy of conscience, and they lay up for themselves only misfortune. As everyone complains, the course of the world now is such that both young and old completely lack restraint and are beyond control. They have no reverence or sense of honor. They do nothing unless they are driven to it by blows, and they do what wrong and slander they can behind each other's back. Therefore God also punishes them, so that they sink into all kinds of filth and misery. As a rule, the parents, too, are themselves stupid and ignorant. One fool trains another. As the foolish parents have lived, so live, so live their children after them. This, now I say, should be the first and most important consideration that urges us to keep this commandment. Because of this, even if we had no father and mother, we should wish that God would set up wood and stone before us so that we might call them father and mother. Since he has given us living parents, how much more should we rejoice to show them honor and obedience? For we know it is so highly pleasing to the divine majesty and to all angels, and it harasses all devils. Besides, this is the highest work we can do after the grand divine worship included in the previous commandments. Giving to the poor and every other good work toward our neighbor is not equal to this. For God has assigned parenthood the highest place. Yes, he has set it up in his own place upon the earth. God's will and pleasure ought to be enough reason and incentive for us to do what we can with goodwill and pleasure. Again, Luther continues to just hammer this home that God gives this commandment next because parents are his representatives upon the earth. This is what God told Adam and Eve in the very beginning. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. That begins with the family. All right, we conclude with paragraphs 127 to 130. Besides this, it is our duty before the world to be grateful for benefits and every good that we have from our parents. But here again, the devil rules in this world, Ephesians 6.12, so that the children forget their parents. We all forget God, and no one considers how God nourishes, protects, and defends us, and how he bestows so much good on our body and soul, Psalm 23. This is especially true when an evil time comes. We grow angry and grumble with impatience, and all the good that we have received throughout our life is wiped out of our memory, Psalm 78, 17-31. We act the same way toward our parents, and there is no child that understands and considers what the parents have endured while nourishing and fostering him, unless the Holy Spirit grants him this grace. God knows very well the perverseness of the world. Therefore, he admonishes and urges by commandments that everyone consider what his parents have done for him. Each child will discover that he has from them a body and life. He has been fed and reared when otherwise he would have perished a hundred times in his own filth. Therefore, this is a true and good saying of old and wise people. To God, to parents, and to teachers, we can never offer enough thanks and compensation.
The person who thinks about and considers this will give all honor to his parents without force and bear them up on his hands as those whom God has done him all good. Psalm 91, 12. That line, a saying of old and wise people, to God, to parents, and to teachers, we can never offer enough thanks and compensation. Because that is the problem, isn't it? As children, we think our parents don't understand what is going on. We don't really realize that, yeah, they were once our age as well. They once went through all the things that we did. And our kids don't understand quite yet that we've gone through all those things. We just didn't have, in generations past, everything right there at our fingertips, everything right there in our face, showing us what all is going on. We had to just see what was on in the people around us, the people that we worked with and went to school with and everything else with life together and say, oh, they have better stuff than we do. Our parents stink. Well, your parents might stink. But then again, even if they do, we're still commanded by God to honor them because they serve as his representatives. And that is why it is so hard to follow the fourth commandment, why so many people have such an issue with it. Because we can't see God being like our parents. Because our parents, many times, myself included, don't always act like God would act in a situation. But then it's those times where the parents ask for forgiveness, ask for the prayers of the children to be a better parent. And so we strive to be better all the time striving to do the good work that God has given us to do in raising children, but also teaching them to be respectful, first to parents and then to all those others and authority that we'll get to next week. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton thanking you for standing in the confessional corner with me this week. Next week we go on deeper into the fourth commandment, talking about the fathers of state. But until then, God's richest blessings on you as you wrestle with the theologies around you. Amen.